0: 1800s, the Wild West was a place that was void of God's law and every man did what was right in his own eyes. More than 95% of Americans lived in places with fewer than 2,500 inhabitants. By 1830, the distance of the prairie needed circuit riders to spread God's word. Some called them saddlebag preachers. These were a different kind of clergy, used to long dusty roads and lonely empty spaces. They rode from church to church on horseback. These days, many of those same places still have less than 2,500 folk. The men and women who are called there are still a different breed of clergy. The needs are different, but the call to reach men and women with the message of Christ is still the same. In the spirit of these circuit riders, we aim to meet a few of those specific needs. Welcome to the Circuit Rider Podcast. Here are your hosts.
1: Hi, Doug. Welcome to the Dirt Road Circuit Rider Podcast. That's a mouthful. If you're trying to learn it, it is a mouthful for us. We're trying to learn it. It's uh, Steve, Mike, and Doug, and we're just here uh, today to bring maybe some hope, maybe some enlightenment, or if nothing else, to let you realize that there are people who are dumber than you in the world doing ministry, and you can learn from our mistakes. That's That's my purpose in life. It's to set the lowest possible standard so other people are encouraged. Mike, you're back from the vacation. How are you doing?
2: Yeah, I don't know if it's even a vacation in COVID. It's been an interesting world we're living in right now, and um, just things that have to do with it. I think, you know, as a pastor of a church in rural America, uh, vacations are, stay vacations are not real. We were a stay vacation, so it was an interesting vacation, to say the least. A lot of projects. I have a tree down in my yard right now that we're cutting up, so fun times here at, uh, in Wisconsin.
1: Steve, you're, you've been sedentary just sitting at home, <laughs> yeah, right. watching Netflix, right? But by the way, that's a weird question, I'm gonna ask it. So have you, what do you do to relax? Because for me, I've watched everything there is to watch and my garden is, uh, you know, it's, it's not enjoyable. At this point, it's hot and the weeds are taking over. So what are you doing to relax during this COVID time?
3: You know, I bought a, well, I didn't buy it. I was gifted a kayak from our church. Yeah. And so I'm going out to some stock ponds and practicing. So now I know city folk won't get that. Like you get a kayak, you're supposed to go down, you know, like, I don't know, the Rapids or something. But, but I'm out in ponds just learning how to use this thing. And, and I walk, but I'm not a big Netflix, Netflix fan, so. I'm not going to watch a lot of TV anyway, and and there's no sports other than all the great games from the past. Well, I already watched those. I can Google and see who won and turn it off. There's no suspense.
1: Yeah. I'm hoping I go a little senile so I can forget the end of the great games (laughs) Yeah, and re-engage. I don't know. That's a horrible joke. Yeah. You're going to get letters now. Uh, That's what's happening. We're getting letters. Oh, if only. If only. (laughs) Any publicity is good publicity, right? Mike, what are you, what are you doing? here? back from your state. That sounds like a trap. A <laughs> vacation.
2: Vacation. <laughs> it's a trap. It's it's not real. Um. So, what are we doing to rest in our house? Uh, walking. Been trying to take a lot of walks. Uh, learning to kayak too. Believe it or not. Still, is, I think Steve and I are mirroring our our breaks. I'm not a big uh, TV guy. I was a big sports guy. So I roam around. Watching Little League games? No, I'm kidding, I don't. But in reality, I just uh, looking things, I think just to chill out, I think the biggest thing we're trying to do is enjoy summer. In Wisconsin, we have two seasons, winter and mosquito season, and we're in the middle of mosquito season. So we're just trying to enjoy mosquito season while it lasts, before it snows next month, and then we'll be ready again for the next season.
1: Yeah, we say that in Michigan, too. We say uh, we love summer. Both weeks are fantastic. So (laughs) it's it's kind of like that. uh, No oh, man. So Mike has admitted that he's the creepy old guy that shows up at Little
3: League games. If you're
1: right.
2: No, no, no! I did not watch Little League games. That was, a joke. that was a joke. But
3: you know, just I mean, just okay. So I'm the I'm the old guy here in the bunch. I think um, I'm older than you by a lot. I don't know. I'm 53. How old are you? I'm almost 60. Okay. So anyway, I'm the I'm the middle aged guy in the bunch. But I used to attend every single sporting event. Okay. And and Leanne may just like completely put this on the floor. Okay. This this, this might never make it. Yeah. So, so seriously attending, uh, if you don't attend the local schools, sporting events, why don't you just go ahead and resign now? Okay. Because you know, that's so much ministry happens here. Well, once my, my daughter graduated from high school, like going to volleyball games and girls basketball games and stuff i you almost have to like pick a family say hey can i come and join you and sit with the dad while we watch or else yeah i mean you just yeah oh my goodness that's for all pastors everything we do we got to think about that kind of stuff how does this come across
1: i i didn't get cred in the community until i killed deer
3: <laughs> i was
1: like <laughs> you gotta go out and slay something oh. big that I'm impressed with. And you mean with a gun, okay? I'm right am your car. I a couple with my <laughs> car and,
3: and didn't get any credit for that. They said, why weren't you looking?
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh man, that's the rural community. Uh, just so, uh, so you all know, we've been going through how do we emerge? Uh, and that's the circuit riding concept. How do we emerge from this? And what we've realized is that people have, they've gone into hiding. Some people have been there for three or four months. Some people are absolutely terrified. In most rural communities, there's less terror because we, we have space. We have some space between ourselves and, you know, frankly, we're not going to the crowded malls. We weren't going to huge sports events because it's too far away. You might venture to a game from time to time, but it's not our lifestyle. So there's a little bit of safety in that. And there's also that we're okay, we're from the country, we'll take care of ourselves. And I think there's a little bit of arrogance in it, too. I'm not trying to be offensive. So here's the question. When your herd is free-ranging, how do you get them back? Because they've been gone for a while. Your, your herd's gone. Uh, we've been online, and you know I've heard a million pastors say that their, their attendance is up using zoom or using facebook or whatever and yeah i mean more people walked in the door but a lot of people have walked out the door.
2: so you know i i think the biggest thing is we're talking about the the whole regathering process and the reopening and my gosh i don't know about you but if i get one more email on how to reopen and how to regather from some wonderful mega church god bless them or nothing wrong with mega churches i'm not critiquing them but in reality I don't know about you, but honestly, my inbox is full. Of like, this is how you reopen. This is what you do. And I think we fall into some binary choices that we we can't we have to be careful. You know, yeah. and it tells us, like, it tells us that we need to gather. Like, that's a Jesus thing, right? Two or three gather in a name. Hebrews tells us to not neglect that. And I think for all of us, I think the big thing is thinking outside the box. What does that look like? You know, I'm hearing schools right now. whether well, they open or... They go virtual. Well, there's probably some options in between that. Like if we're really honest, there's probably some third way. Jesus was a, Jesus always had a different way than the rest of us. He always did. He never, ever felt for binary choices. And I think for you and I and the rest of us, I think we need to start being a little thinking outside the box time right now in terms of what does it look like to reopen and regather. That means reality that we need to be able to think like maybe we can do like outside service. Maybe we do a hybrid of an online and outside. Maybe we just think differently. But understanding like a third of our people will probably show up the minute we open our doors, no matter what we're doing. A third of our people are probably gonna wait um, probably for a vaccine. And a third of our people may just never come back. They Mm -hmm. may just like this online stuff and they may be church shopping, they may be whatever, but we need to think our mindset. So it means if they're free ranging, I think Doug and Steve, I think we have to regather.
3: Yeah, you know the thing. The thing is, is that like if you're a rancher and they're out there free ranging, you go out, you fix the fence, you get your brand. I mean, you, I and I'm not sure that there's like a spiritual analogy for all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But but the reality is, and you guys you refer to it already, Michael. There's like a third of congregations that are not coming back. I mean, right. at Lamont that's happening. Uh, we are we're trying to chase them down. You know, you can go to Luke chapter 15, you go after that one lost sheep. But but even as a pastor, I have to admit, you know, we went to where, you know, right now we're meeting, we're sort of like halfway, we're meeting outside, we're at a different time, and we're getting 100 of our 150, so we're getting two-thirds, but before that, we were doing the pre-recorded service that we pre- were premiering, and I gotta tell you, I love Sundays, I was more relaxed on Sundays, I was like, my goodness, I ought to miss church every once in a while. Right. And and but I'm seeing that creep in with people. And so how do we spiritually engage them? I mean, we we are called to make disciples. How do we make disciples and encourage people to gather as a you know, in accordance with Hebrews chapter 10? How do we do that when the mega you talk about the mega churches. And, you know, we're recording this around two weeks before it's gonna drop just yesterday andy stanley announced that north point isn't gonna have in-person services for the rest of the calendar year that isn't gonna work for me right i mean we're too relational so how do we gather how do we how do we go and find that lost sheep how do we encourage people to come back in Mm -hmm. and and be a part of the church family and maybe they truly are michael maybe they truly are afraid of, of COVID or being in, in, in the, the building again, singing, those types of things. I love, I love that there's not
1: one or two ways. to. Maybe the emergence happens completely outside of the box. So I'm used to church being one way. And it seems like every emergence plan is a step-by-step process to get back to old. Yeah. And, and I don't think that's where we go. I think God wants us to blaze brand new trails here because let's, let's be honest, generationally over the last 15 years, the church, whether it's in rural America or in the city has lost traction. Hmm. And, and I think we've got to deal with that. I think we've got to say, look, we're, we're losing traction with lo- not only lost people, but with you know, millennials and you know, next gens, who are like, yeah, I'm not buying in anymore. I don't need what they're selling. It's really fascinating to me, and this has just this has inspired the stay-at-home culture. This has inspired more reasons. It's given us more reasons to avoid each other than to get together. You know, whether it's uh, whether it's you know issues of Black Lives Matter, which by the way, in rural communities, and I don't want to talk about anything racial. That's a divisive thing. The election is a divisive thing. COVID is a divisive thing. I think Satan is sitting on his throne. it's a little throne, but it's a throne and he says, I can use that. And so my question is as Christians, we're like the widow who has a, you know who has a little bit of olive oil and God's saying, start pouring that out and get other people's jars. I do think it is time for us to bend with tradition. I was I called our superintendent of schools here in the community, and I said I know you're trying to figure out how to reemerge as a school because internet access, computer use, it's not it's not available and I thought what if they had to divide their their students into class sizes so in rural America there what if they could send them to a school for online class
3: mm-hmm.
1: and I I know I'm I'm the guy who's always you know shooting ideas that would cost Church's time and energy, but what if kids began to come to the church because you have internet and you have space, and so the freshman class from Vermont or from you know wherever is coming to your church because the school can teach them in a group there and it's safe. And I that's a, that's an innovative concept. I can't even begin to think of the legwork that would take. Mm. But man. Are are we thinking about things that nobody's done before? Because nobody's done this before.
2: Exactly. You know, I think that's the big thing. Is is I, I have pastors calling from across the nation, in part of the Vineyard movement, in, in rural towns and going. Well, what's the point of reference for this, Mike? What's like? What's something you can point back to? And I'm like, there isn't. And that's like the key point, Pastor. There is nothing to point back to for you to say, Hey, someone's done this before. Unless you know someone who's 110 years old. Probably they'd have to be be able to actually remember it. Mm -hmm. We're talking 110 years old. Unless you find someone, I don't know anybody out there like that. So you're going to struggle with this. And I think that's give yourself some flexibility and permission. We always talk about being flexible in our church. And we always talk about the idea of like, have a plan, know where you're going. And Mm -hmm. I think that's the big thing. I think when people know, when, when when animals are free ranging, the biggest thing is get them back on the path. Right. Like, that's the biggest thing. If they're out there, get them back in the herd together, bring them back in together so they can stay back in the defense. They can get back in. And I think we need to start talking about how do we regather? How do we do outreach? How do we actually do real outreach? Bring people back in. And it might be a real opportunity for people who have disconnected from the church who don't, haven't been to church forever, or just has never gone to church, which, which, by the way, is more of rural America than we're willing to acknowledge sometimes, that it might be a really great time to think creatively about how do we reach them in an outreach way? What does that look like? And I think like the school situation, I got a quick story for you. We are, we adopted an elementary school here in our community, and we had a house explosion this last week. One of the staff members a special ed aide, died in the explosion. A house exploded, propane blew the whole house. I got an opportunity. To minister to the staff throughout this last week. Um, it was an amazing moment to be able to speak into them. Now that's an opportunity due to crises and different things. What is out there that we're missing that we could reach out to in your context, in your community, to someone who needs it, who's who's desperate? There's there, there's always somebody, like there's always a mayor of every little town, even if they're like they work another job. Most of them do, Mars does here. Talk to the guy that runs your town. Talk to the people that know what's going on, because I'll tell you, they probably have a really different perspective than we do as pastors of like what's going on, and I know like our mayor right now is worried about like keeping the bit economy going in our town. Like he's worried about the businesses and in factories can they stay open and can we keep jobs. So you know I just think that's the big thing. And Steve, I just being creative like what does that look like? I mean, what are your thoughts on all that?
3: Like for me to get creative, my when when you begin to talk about new ideas, I want to make sure that I'm within scripture. Okay, so I want to you know I, I there's there's just i want some guidelines and so if i go to hebrews chapter 10 and i I begin like at verse 23 it says let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promises faithful so whatever i do it is unique as it is it has to help me focus on the hope then let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds so there's a need for us to be together to spur one another on for acts of service let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage, let's give each other courage, let's give courage to one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Those are my goals. I want to I want to point to I want I want to point to the hope that we have. I want to I want to encourage people to do acts of service and I want to encourage them even as they see impending doom. I mean, you know, when you think about the day approaching all right this is an opportunity that the more messed up the times are the more we need to be around each other and if we can't do it in a traditional way then maybe what we need to do is just to begin what i'm trying to suggest at mount wesleyan church is that we think in terms of spiritual families yeah and so maybe we can't gather we're not going to give you home groups but identify the spiritual fathers and mothers in my congregation and then have them gather have them search and they point to the hope they they encourage us in the faith they spur others on to good deeds if ever there's a time where selfless sacrifice and selfless generosity is gonna make a huge impact it's when everyone is in a defensive mode. You're all, everyone's protecting their own territory. And here comes the Father of Jesus, open-handed. Well, if we can't encourage that in a big room full of people singing and spreading germs, you as a spiritual mother or father can have a group in your home. Mm-hmm. And and, it, and in essence, the church can become, you know, sort of like that whole uh, starfish and the spider deal, you know, that, that if you, you know, it, it, it doesn't have to be central anymore. Let it, let every house
1: become a church. We talk about the regathering of the 30% or 33% that are gone. And uh, you know, the, the real question getting practical is how do you reconvene them? Well, it's not an event. There's, there's not a one trick pony here that you throw and you're gonna get the 33% back who are, say, who are gonna say, oh yeah, God hasn't abandoned me and I, I still think everything's normal. That's not gonna happen. We get the flock back. We get the herd back one person, one family at a time. And the thing we were talking about uh, you know, before this was that this is a time, in spite of the fact that pastors are tired, and, and I get that. So I'm going to share something that I think is a master secret. It is a master secret. Every millionaire that I know, every highly successful person that I know, works at a breakneck pace for a time, then they take a big break, not huge, not forever, but they take a serious, I am not at work break. And then they go back out, they're on planes, they're they're speaking, they're in boardrooms. And I would contend that pastors need to adopt that mentality that we're going to have to do more Rather than go, oh, thank goodness we're coming out of COVID, let's do less. That's not the objective here. And granted, I'm a type A D personality firstborn. So I never mind the, you know, I never mind, I never mind doing more. I think that's great. But I do think we have to embrace this is going to be more because I have to go out and I have to gain the flock. This is where the rubber meets the road, and I prove that I love the flock enough to go after the one even if I have 70 some in, in the penalty. Yeah. And I think there are a lot of pastors, honestly, we're content with 77. Hey, we survived COVID. We retained the core.
3: Yeah. Good. Now go get the ones you lost. Yeah. And let's get real honest about how hard that's going to be because some of those who've checked out have checked out because of their opinions about some things oh, and they might be a little teased off at the church, They might, um, you know, they might be pulling away because they suddenly discovered that all their brothers and sisters in Christ don't think exactly the way they do about every single thing. And when you reach out to them, they're going to hand you a nice big load of their opinion Uh in in emotional ways. I'm trying to think of the right way to say that. I mean, we we have words for their opinions out here in the the countryside, (laughs) but you're going to have to show that you love them. And eventually disciple them to understand that we, Philippians chapter two is true. We really truly have to honor one another. This last week at Lamont Wesleyan Church, we had VBS. And we were the only church within 20, 30 miles that did VBS. We had a third of our normal students. We had all sorts of precautions in place. Some of our leaders wore masks. Some of them didn't. They all have different opinions. They had to choose to love on one another. And so like when I reach out to be when I when I'm going after that one, that one isn't going to necessarily want me. It isn't like the lost lamb. Sometimes lambs get lost because they get confused, you know, they have their head down. There's some lambs that are running away right now because yeah. they they and when you do catch them, they're gonna be pretty, pretty upset. Do I love them enough and am I emotionally mature enough to even set my own opinions aside yeah. and reach out to them knowing that when I do, they're gonna hurt me. They're gonna they're gonna attack me, but I still love them. Go, what Mike? Have you seen any of that?
2: Yeah, oh, good gravy! Yes, you know it's it's um
3: good gravy.
1: What good is good gravy.
2: Gravy? That's a that's a good Wisconsin night term right there. Yeah, there. Yeah, that's um, bad gravy. Good gravy. Good gravy. There's said bad gravy is good gravy, folks. Dead bad gravy. You know what I'm talking about? You know, I I've seen a, a lot of people the angry emails. I, I tell the angry email people. I people have, some people have just silently walked away, too. Like, that's some of the other reality, too. Some aren't expressing their anger. I'm, I'm Norwegian, Scandinavian by background. If you can see me, I'm about as blonde and pale as it gets. Scandinavians do not like to express their opinions. They like to just, like, quietly just walk away. And I think we need to be ready for all the types, either the people that are sending us angry emails and the ones who are just seem like they've disappeared. And I think there's got to be a lot of mercy and grace in that. And I also think we have to be honest with ourselves when Jesus challenges us to love our neighbor in this. And I think that, like, like what do we really do when we understand loving our neighbor? In my opinion, that's going to be the key to this whole thing for us to recover. One one neighbor at a time, one family at a time, one person at a time. That How can we love on our neighbor when they don't see eye to eye of what we thought that we saw eye to eye with? And I think Jesus is that third way. Jesus is the option that's not binary. And I and I and I'm not trying to get political hearing like that, but we have fallen into a culture and society of a binary choices. You must do A, you must do B. You must be on this side or on that side. You must be right, you must be left, you must be whatever. Jesus just never took the bait. And I think for us pastors, we need to be very cautious of that and ask ourselves, where is the Jesus way in this? And how do we love our neighbors in these scenarios? And I think what's going to happen, I think the unique moment in this isn't just the people in our church. I think the unique moment is that person on the sidelines that has been watching your church from a distance for a while. And we all know in rural America, it's it's like the long dating scene. How about you? But most rural America was like this. They don't jump into your church right away unless they happen to move from another town. They usually watch you from a distance. Then they hang out with you sort of before you go in. Because once you go in, it's like I've showed up at the church. I'm probably going to come back. You know, like after a couple of times, I'm, I'm committed longer term. Rural America is a longer term commitment. That's why they take longer. So right now, not only are your people watching you, but your whole town is watching you. Your community is watching you. You know you are get observed from everything you do anyways. So the reality is, how do we express that in a way that speaks of Jesus? And so, Steve, what are your thoughts on that? Well,
3: so we're sort of playing with two, two thoughts right now. One is regathering our congregation and the other one is outreach. Here's where they meet. By this will all men know that you're my disciples, that you love one another. As I'm regathering, teaching my congregation, teaching our congregations, that how we love one another, even when we have different opinions, is part of our witness to a, a divided community. I mean, if we're going to so so as I'm reaching out to that person, and maybe, and you are so right, Michael, for every A passionate email you get, there's probably two emails you'll never get from that person just disappearing. Mm -hmm. You're going to have to be really alert for that. And you have to go chase those folks down. But as you're bringing these people back together, reminding them how we love one another is our witness. And if ever our community needs a witness that Jesus makes a difference, it can be in how we handle people who view things differently than us. And so this is actually a great opportunity, but it's a hard opportunity because, you know, I'm a pretty, you know, politically, I'm not, I'm just not, I just don't get that passionate about it. But still people will say things that just all of a sudden trigger me and I'm like, okay, if this is triggering someone who isn't normally into this stuff, I can only imagine, Yeah. you know, and I have to teach those folks that we love one another to be a witness and then we have to show love to one another and to our community by serving them. Just just a few thoughts. When
1: you have uh, your cattle hoops spread out, what do you do with the fact that everyone wants to be right? And this is an issue. If I'm going to be the voice of peace, I can't afford to be the voice that's right. And I think that that's been the critical issue. I have to be the constant, Middle ground, and I have to coach that of my leaders. This, if you want to reclaim the sheep that have wandered, if you want to regather the the herd that's free ranging, you have to be very subtle. My question is, how do you do that? How do you walk that tightrope of kindness, gentleness, but strength in leadership? And I, I just got a pastor who I just got a pastor who sent me an email saying, "I don't like the way the church is going." I got it yesterday. And I want to say, oh, by all means, I didn't say it. I wanted to say, by all means, quit now. Because they really need people to bail when the going gets tough. Uh, and that's sarcasm. but It's Michigan sarcasm. So, Mike, you, you got a question? A statement. So, Go so,
2: yeah, I, I love Michigan sarcasm. We're just passive-aggressive here in Wisconsin. Now, I shouldn't rip my own state. I grew up here. I feel like I can say these things. But um, in reality, I think, I, I just feel like, what the Lord does and teaches us is he listens well. And I and I think we used to be better listeners. I, I mean, yeah. you know, I'm going to a meeting today with a church that's really in a struggling situation right now. It's not my church, my my, my role. I'm going to another church, another rural church, are struggling. And the first instinct would be to tell them what to do. Like my instincts are like, hey, you need to do A, B, C, and D. But the first thing I built in my agenda is basically just time to listen to them, to hear their voices in it. And so often when people feel heard, even if you don't agree at the end of the day, it seems to break down barriers. And, and so I, I think the thing we have to, like, stop ourselves with, which is so hard, because we are human beings. I tell people we're not robots. Pastors are not robots, contrary to what you think. We do have feelings, contrary to what they think. And, and we, do, we do drown in the water just like everybody else does. And so the reality is we need to be able to listen without being defensive. And that is, I don't know about you, but I've struggled with that in my life. I t- the younger the pastor is, I'm sure some of these guys have been it for 20 years. You, you get what I'm saying, but but it's still challenging. Like not to be defensive, not to listen defensively, and then to say to them, "I appreciate what you're saying, but here's my reality." So like when I got pushed on by a funeral director about like when are you open your church or getting funerals in your church, I didn't argue if COVID existed or not. I'm at the argument of liability insurance and cleaning. And I just flipped the script. I listened to all her things and I said, this is not the debate I'm going to have, but here's a practical reality. And I think once we find that third way, that different thing, I let her speak her piece and then I walked her through it in a different way instead of arguing about that. So I think, Pastor, if you can listen non-defensively, it's a big deal. Steve, I think it's so important we do that.
3: Yeah, and, and I want to even push into then leadership and discipleship. In, in teaching your leaders to do that. First of all, you have to be secure in Christ. Okay, let's start with that yes. Secondly, like a lot of these opinions are political opinions Okay, and what i'm going to be asking people to do is to put the kingdom of God above their political opinions I can't ask people to do that if I haven't done it. Okay, let's just start here. All right until I've submitted that to Jesus I can't lead other people in that way and I think we have to push them to Philippians chapter two and the idea that you have to prefer others, honor others, and especially, listen, I am not willing that anyone go to hell because of my opinion about a mask or COVID-19. Right, right. And I, I mean, there's an eternity, I mean, we are not a business. This isn't a, right. This, this, you know, it isn't like we're a restaurant and we want to see what we have to do to get enough people in so that we can survive. Hell and heaven are at stake. We yeah. believe that. We're yeah. Bible-believing people. And here's what we know. In Philippians chapter 2, after it talks about honoring others and all that, and, and Jesus not considering equality with God, something to be held on to. In verse 14, it says, do everything without complaining or arguing. Yeah so that you may, may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation. Did we just say where we are right now? We're in a crooked and depraved right, uh, situation in which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life. For crying out loud, If, if I, I personally have to model this, but then I have to challenge those who are spiritually mature in my church and say, Listen. This is a dark time. This is a depraved generation. You have opinions. Yeah. You have opinions. Give them to Jesus. Let's get people into heaven and and not let the petty things that are separating this world from getting in the way of the mission. This is the time. If 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 we really are going to go a new direction, Doug, if yeah. Mike, we're we're going to do this because of the mission, the cause. Yeah. Not, not, and, and it isn't a business plan. I'll say that again, right? It isn't like I'm just trying to get my, I'm not trying to regather because I want a bunch of people in my church. I'm trying to regather because heaven and hell are at stake.
1: Right. So Paul says, I became all things to all people mm-hmm. so that I can win a few. So to the mask wearer, I'm a mask wearer. To the non mask wearer, I'm a non mask wearer. To the person who thinks Black Lives Matter, I think Black Lives Matter. To the person that, I I have to embrace the role of the peacemaker because that is the role that Christ gave us as, as ministers. So step out boldly, but ask people, listen to them. The truth is most people, most people don't need to be right all the time. They might argue, they might push, they might call you terrible names, but we have to stay the course. We've got to be the ship of hope, the ship of peace.
2: Yeah. And Jesus tells us, blessed are the peacemakers, for they are the children of God. You know, I, I think, and I love what you said when Paul said, for all things I was thinking about later, and Paul said, you know, don't eat meat if it bothers someone who leads them away from Jesus. Eat, you know, eat meat if it helps them lead them to Jesus, basically is what he's saying.
3: Oh, and let's get real real. Okay, this is a podcast. Let's get real real. Okay, here's how much Paul meant that in, in how he dealt with Timothy. In Acts chapter 15, they come up with this idea that you don't need to be cut on to be a Christian. All right. The first thing he does with Timothy is he gets out a knife. You're at, you're complaining about wearing a mask, okay? Now, let's just compare some pain issues here for just a minute. But he gets out a knife on Timothy because the kingdom mattered. And and we have to put that in front of the spiritually mature in our church. We have to put that out there and ask them to walk away mm-hmm. from these, so that for the kingdom, not so that they'll agree with me politically. Yeah. Okay, you know what I'm saying I'm not asking them to agree or to change their political beliefs, but to put the kingdom first. Oh, it is. I'm getting into and sadly, I hear
1: the cows coming <laughs> home, so we got to wrap it up, guys. But I will say this: it, these are the tough days, and we've been called into this time. This is our legacy. I was talking to a leader, and I said, "This is your legacy right now. This is your legacy." We can't afford to blow this opportunity because it is an opportunity. I come back to the faithfulness of God. You know, Hebrews 10, 23, actually the beginning passage that we started reading, just said, I love this. It says, just so powerful. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess. And let us hold to the hope that we profess. Look, we're we're hope, we're peace, we're love, we're Christ. That's not about a mask it can be i'm willing to let it be but not to win i mean you know i I think this is good it's been great
3: guys good spending time with you those cows come home awfully early it seems like yeah i don't know yeah yeah it does and those Wisconsin people they love those cows i mean my goodness see out where we are we don't have cows in Kansas we have steers. We aren't interested in milk, we're interested in steak, just for the record. I know that's a spiritual way to end this, but just for the record. Well,
2: we, 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 we have spiritual milk in our, in our community in Wisconsin.
3: Yeah. Oh we do steak in Kansas. What are they do <laughs> in Michigan, Doug? <laughs> a cow and a bull in the pasture, don't touch the bull. You're about that's reproduction. You're, you're good, absolutely. Yeah.
1: <laughs> hey, thanks, guys.
0: The Circuit Riders would like to thank our partners for their interest in assisting rural leaders. Rich Roast Custom Coffee, supporting rural missionaries with a wide variety of delicious worldwide coffees. Our friends at thinkorange.com, wanting to join your team to help you create a better experience this week for kids and teenagers. Katrina at crossroadsfarm.org. Vineyard Small Town USA. Vineyard Small Town USA Equipping churches to plant in small towns across America Disciples of Jesus, making disciples Multiplyvineyard.org Slash Small Town USA Crossroads Farm Working alongside of rural remote churches To provide an outsourced, cooperative youth ministry That really works CRF Loving the rural team www.crossroadsfarm.org Dirt Roads Network Transforming rural America by planting and revitalizing life-giving churches in small towns and communities. www.dirtroadsnetwork.com For more information about the Circuit Riders or any of these partners, check out our Facebook page or contact them on each of their websites. On behalf of the Riders, I'm Carl Miller saying, until the next Circuit Riders podcast next week, happy trails.